0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Santa Claus was in my front yard yesterday across the street. This neighbor, he builds this little candy cane, little, uh, little walkway with a throne, and he gets up as Santa Claus. And and people uh, start dropping off their kids, and they, they fill up the street. And he sits out there and plays the Christmas music and ho, 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 and all this stuff. And the kids get in his lap. They think they're talking to Santa Claus. And the parents that drop him off, they know that's not Santa Claus. They know the man's name. He's lived across the street from me for years. They know it's not Santa. And they tell their children, go talk to Santa. And I know it's all nice and traditionally culturally cute and all that, but that's not Santa. And they know it. They're lying to their kids. That's not who that is. But the kids thought they were, the kids thought they were talking to Santa. We're hitting them young. We're hitting them early. I'm like, this is crazy. Really what's going on this time of year right now is, uh, this is today of all days, it's great that we land right on the first day of it. Tonight begins Hanukkah. When we get out of service, probably 20 minutes after we leave, it gets dark or something like that. I mean, right when it gets dark, when the sun sets, Hanukkah's on this evening. And so Hanukkah is going to be, is here. You probably saw that beautiful decoration that I think Juanita brought. It says Hanukkah across the table over there. So Hanukkah means dedication. Now, if I'm going to dedicate myself to somebody, I got to be real with it. If I uh, dedicate to my wife, Uh, so I'm dedicated to Anna. But what if I told her that I'm dedicated to her but my tradition says I get to go play around with other women, too. How do you think she's going to like that one? She's not. Okay. Any of you who have a spouse or are or, or co- committed close to something or someone in some kind of way, and you say I'm committed to you, but you catch them messing around, that, that don't fly. They don't fly well. So she's not going to buy it. Now, she, I, I think Anna would probably say, "Well, what? That's your tradition." What do you think Anna's going to say? Those of you that know Anna, what do you think she's going to say? Joanna spit it out. What would Anna say? <laughs> good. Okay. You're, I'm going. Then what? You have a bad tradition. A little yes. Bad tradition. Knock me to the floor. Good. Good way to put it. Hey, I'm I'm going to put the hammer down, and I got somebody helping me today, so that that's good. She's knock me to the floor. She's not going to buy it. So today I'm going to talk about how bad traditions can slip into our lives and to make us think it's okay to partly dedicate ourselves when the Lord God wants all of us. He wants us all the way. Uh, We're going to talk about Hanukkah, a time of dedication. Now, you all saw how I read today's vision statement, authentic disciples according to God's Word. We're going to be real or not. You're going to be in this marriage with me, Anna would say. You're going to be real. You're going to be dedicated to me, or we've got trouble. And that's kind of the way I like to see the church. I'm married to Christ. I'm married to my wife. I'm going to be married to this, this church family. We're going to be real, or we're going to quit, you know, quit pretending, so to speak. So Hanukkah, time of tradition. Now, I do have a hard time speaking to Jewish people about Jewish things because I'm not Jewish. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't understand the things of their culture like they do. But I do know how to speak Gentile. And I can speak Gentile, and I'm going to do it today. I'm telling you, right now, this time of year, Gentiles are not paying attention to Hanukkah, even though it is biblical. They're not paying attention. And there's something wrong with that. Hanukkah is very foreign to us as gentiles and most of the gentile church is not talking about what's in god's word they are talking about a tradition called christmas how did this come in see i tell you some of your some of your veins are going to stick out of some of y'all's foreheads and you all are going to want to come and let me have it but i haven't unloaded yet so just hang on (laughs) so I want to say, again, as another disclaimer, I am not here to bash Christmas, but I want you to hear me out. Let me please present the facts before you draw any conclusions. Some of what you hear today might rub you wrong against some of your Gentile traditional thinking. And I'm just going to ask, you have to take the way you've always held it and put it up against God's word. Weigh it out see how it goes again every year somebody comes up to me angry like they're going to smack me upside the face and if you come up to me like this i'm going to assume you're joking okay (laughs) you have questions come ask me our vision statement authentic according to god's word not according to my opinion not according to our tradition our tradition is whacked guys we have got to listen to god's word so here we go now's your chance to get out if you don't want to hear it now but if you stay, I'm going to unload. Okay, I'm going to unload. Here we go. Back in 200 B.C., let's get a little historical first. I will get to the Bible, don't worry. Back in 200 B.C., if you remember Alexander the Great, he went around pushing what was called Hellenism, which was the worship of Greek gods, Zeus and all them guys. Some of our days of the week got those in there. Thursday, that's Thor. Uh, Saturday, Saturn and all this stuff. is their Greek god Hellenism worship. See, it's still in our culture today. After Alexander got, uh, died, this man named Antiochus Epiphanes, he took power over Israel and he pushed Israel, uh, he pushed Israel into Hellenism as well, the Greek god worship. Now he attacked Jerusalem. And he violated the temple of the Lord. We've been reading about the temple of the Lord a lot in Kings, how it was in disrepair. Joash is going to be rebuilding it soon. Solomon had built it. We, we value the temple of God. But here comes this Antiochus guy who violated the temple. And the way he did it, he banned all the Jewish practices. No more Jewish practices. You're not, you're not doing that in this temple anymore. You're going to do Hellenism now because I say so. We hold the power. And he put in his own Hellenized Jew, a Jewish guy that bought into this Zeus and Greek worship stuff. And by the way, I'm not against entertainment, but a lot of our kids are watching those blue screen Marvel uh, uh, movies. Zeus, uh, not, uh, Thor and all these superhuman power things that they're, they're buying into this stuff. They love it. Be careful where it takes them. Okay. So he got a Hellenized Jew and installed him as high priest. They want to play like we're in the priesthood? They want to play, play temple stuff? Okay, I'll get a Hellenized high priest. We're going to transform this temple into the way I want it. And he set it up the way he wanted it to go. And they established the worship of Zeus in the temple of God. Now, if that doesn't get your blood boiling, I don't know what will. If you want to have a vein stick out of your forehead today, don't stick it out at me. Stick it out at this guy, Antiochus. Get after him. But there were some Jews led by a man named Judas Maccabeus. They rose up and said, we're not going to have this. We're going to take God's temple back. We're not going to let it ride like this. We don't like it. And so, Maccabeus means hammer. You know that... That tough lawyer, the Texas hammer. He's indicating that he's tough and he's not going to put up with anything. Maccabees means hammer. And so this group of Jews were called the Maccabees, called the hammer. Now that sounds powerful to me. Hey, look out, the hammer's coming. So you could say the Maccabees put the hammer down on Antiochus' army and ran them off. Get out of here. And they reclaimed the temple of God back and restored it back. To God's proper worship again it took a hammer it took a tough guy to do that now I know you're maybe you're thinking if we are discipling according to God's word and the book of Maccabees this story about the Maccabees it is not in the Bible you're probably wondering what gives me the right to include it in our message today if I'm just going historical and that's not in the Bible how can I lead off with that well Actually, it is in the Bible. <laughs> and it was foretold to happen. Daniel was told that this was going to go down before it happened. So don't look for Maccabees in your Bible. It's not there. But Daniel was told it was coming. And he was told in Daniel 8. Look at this. Daniel eight thirteen. Then I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be? Concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Okay. This is how long the desecration of the temple had lasted under Antiochus Epiphanes. It was for 2,300 days. It was told that the the temple would be under desolation. It would be violated for this amount of time. It was predicted this was so here you go. I gave you history wasn 't in the Bible, but I showed you in the Bible where it was foretold so you 're tracking with me right we 're all good everybody 's fine all right so for two thousand three hundred days, then the Maccabee Jews they took the temple back. And they were the ones that Daniel foretold would be told to cleanse the sanctuary because they came and put it back in order again. So the Maccabees, they removed and they destroyed Antiochus' false idols that he had set up in the temple. And so once you get all the false idols out, well then it was time to relight the lamp, the golden lampstand, which was that menorah that stood in the temple. So it, it was apparently out, and we're going to get things back together. Y'all know that you go in the temple, there is a big menorah in there. The Bible says there's a big menorah uh, at the throne of God. If you look at, at anything about Israel, their symbol of Israel is not just the, the star of David, but everywhere you go, there's menorah stuff all over the place. If you look at our church logo, there is a menorah in the church logo. Now God had commanded the lampstand to burn continually. And I want to show you where it says that, Leviticus 24, verse 2. It says, command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. So the hammer got in there. The Maccabees got in there. They kicked Antiochus Epiphanes out took all the false god idols out of there we got to relight this lampstand right now so we can rededicate that's what hanukkah means to dedicate back to the lord i want you to look at this picture of this menorah of me in israel anyway that menorah is in jerusalem it is made of gold and it has been made to the exact specifications of that the bible says that the menorah should be in the original temple In fact, when the new temple is rebuilt in the future, as I understand, if I'm not mistaken, I think they plan to put this very menorah in that temple. That's the one that's going in there. So in Revelation 1 verse 20, Jesus says that the menorah represents the church. And it says, uh, Revelation 1 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands, which you saw are the seven churches. So now you know why, again, like our church logo has the menorah in it. Actually, when I think about it, not long ago, I actually had a pastor, a Gentile pastor tell me that I need, of all the things about our logo that we have, he goes, you need to take that menorah off. He, he zeroed in on that menorah and said, you need to get that menorah off of there. I was shocked. He had no idea what it meant. So anyway, amazing. So the menorah that stood in the temple was made of gold. As you can see, that one is made of of gold. And to think that something that's made of gold represents you, the church, the seven churches around the world, that's that's the, the assembly, the body of believers. Something made of gold represents you. That should indicate how valuable we are. Because gold has a lot of worth to it. And gold is purified. It's tested by fire. Just like we believers, we are tested by the fire of trials. That purifies us. So there's the gold in that too. The menorah has seven branches. Six branches represents man. Now where did I get that from? According to Revelation thirteen eighteen, if you want to look that up, it says the number six is the number of men. Man. Now, I got to wonder, why does the number six represent us? How how does that work? I need something that sticks. First of all, man was created on the sixth day. Man works six days a week and then rests on the Sabbath, on the the seventh day. So who, who knows what the biblical number for completion is? What is the biblical number for being complete? Seven. Okay, we know that seven is completeness. Genesis 2 verse 2 says that God completed His work of creation by the seventh day. So we have seven days to make a complete week. About completeness in in, in the number seven, I remember it was in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? When he asked that, what he meant by it was, should I completely forgive him? That's what he was asking when he said seven times forgiving. And so because of our sin, we, mankind, we fall short of being complete, which is why man's number is not a seven, it's a six. We fall short of being complete. There. I hope I made that easy for you. (laughs) It took a lot of work to come to that. (laughs) So the menorah has six branches representing man, but there's a seventh main branch in the center of the six, and that center branch represents Jesus Christ because he's the one who gets us to completeness. He's the one that gets us to seven. I want to be complete and without Jesus. I can't be. So he gets us to seven. And the entire lampstand was made of one solid piece of gold. There were no joints in it. There were no seams. Can you imagine the gold workers that got the designs for that thing? You've got to hammer it all together. You've got to melt it and, and fashion it to where it's one solid that whole thing was one solid piece of gold. And I can't remember how many millions of dollars it was. There's a little sign next to it that showed how much money it took to make that thing. So when it's all one piece of gold, what that means is the church, all seven churches, all of mankind, the true believers, were all united together in Jesus Christ. We're seamless. We're not separate over there and separate over there. We're one body. That church down the street that does things a little bit different, kinda. They're following Jesus. Jesus is the way, hey, that's part of the church. We're together with them. Okay? I want you to see this united in fellowship. First John one seven says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So guys, that's fellowship. That's the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. It's depicted in this lampstand how it's made of one solid piece of gold. Now, if the church is described in the Bible as a light, what do you think that means for us? Does that mean you get your education in here and you go out and be quiet? (laughs) If we're a light... What does that mean for us? It means Matthew 5.16, it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So there you are, church. You're that part of that lampstand. We're a light, okay? Now, if you want to read more detail about the lampstand, go to Exodus 25 and you can study that on your time. But I wanted you to understand why the Maccabees were so intent on relighting this lampstand, this, this menorah, after they reclaimed the temple back from Antiochus, that it was very important. God commanded it to be lit. But if you're going to light a lampstand, you've got to have fuel to light it. There's your next problem that they run into. They needed fuel. Exodus 27, verse 20 says, You shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. So the fuel was a particular kind of oil that God prescribed how the lamp was to burn it was uh, had other ingredients in there and God did not want this oil used for any other purpose he didn't want anybody to get this special particular oil to try to sell it you know how these essential oil people are man this is a good recipe I'm going to make some money off this the first thing you know they'll take it to the marketplaces and they'll try to get people to buy it it is not for that Um, It was a special mix of certain ingredients that people would have tried to capitalize on it. And so what they did is whenever they made this special lampstand oil, they would put it in a sealed jug and they would put the mark of the high priest on top of it or, or on it somewhere, which means it was set apart. There was nothing else like it. Oh, Christian, please hear what I just said. When the high priest puts his mark on you, you are to be set apart. There is nothing else like you. You get saved in Jesus Christ. He comes in and dwells you. You get the mark of the high priest on you. You are now holy, set apart, and nobody else like you, okay? So it's amazing, though, how Antiochus, Antiochus and his his army, they came and violated God's temple. They did their absolute worst to defile it they praised Zeus in there they put in their own Hellenized as high priest they did everything they could to make it bad yet the Lord kept these wicked guys from defiling one jug that the Maccabees found to relight the menorah to rededicate the temple they found one jug one high priest approved jug to get it lit back up but now here's the next problem <laughs> One jug only burns for one day, and it's going to take a whole week to get out there and make a whole new batch to keep the lamp going. So what do we do? We have one jug for a day, and the Lord said, keep it burning continually. So here we go. This is the miracle of the Hanukkah story, is that that one single jug of oil that they found that should have burned for just one day, it burned for eight days days because God wanted his menorah to burn he commanded it so so he enabled it to burn as long as it took for them to make a new badge. so this was a miracle of God and because this one jug of oil burned for eight days then an eight-day festival was established to commemorate the rededication of the temple which is called the feast of dedication pretty easy we dedicated the temple. Eight-day burn, feast of dedication to commemorate those eight days that it stayed lit. Now, I showed you a menorah, and it has seven branches. Remember, Christ gets us to seven because we are six. We are incomplete. This here is what you call a Hanukkah. It's different from menorah. It's got uh, nine. Four here, four here, eight with a, a taller center one in the middle. And so this is your, your eight-day celebration, four and eight. Hanukkah, different kind of lampstand. Uh, the Feast of Dedication is also known as the Festival of Lights. How convenient is that? that it, so they're the same thing. So whether you think of it as the Festival of Lights or the Feast of Dedication, it is also known today as Hanukkah because the word Hanukkah means dedication. Now this is important for even us Gentiles because being dedicated to Christ, you've got to think of the word Hanukkah, dedication. So I'm because I'm dedicated to the Lord. It's a time of dedication and it happens this evening and it runs for eight days because of that jug of oil. So I'm going to be lighting my first candle to put on the Hanukkah tonight. And if you're thinking, well, that sounds fun, sounds great, but I'm not Jewish. Why should Hanukkah be important to me? Because I had the same question as a Gentile myself. Why, why does it matter? Yes, dedication to the Lord, I get it. But why should I take this so serious? I have a solid answer to that question. Because Hanukkah is something that Jesus took serious. Jesus himself attended. And I will show you. In John 10, verse 22. We're getting all biblical now. Oh, yeah. It says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in, Sol- in Solomon's porch. Okay, here's the, bi- the biblical reason why I celebrate Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. Because Jesus himself did it. Guys, if Jesus did anything, I, and I can do it too, then I want to do it. If Jesus went there, I want to go there. Because he's my Lord and I follow him. So, up front first in this message, I gave you the historical background with the Maccabees, but now I'm showing you the biblical alignment to validate it.